0: Let's
1: go! The 4 O'Clock Football Frenzy. Hey,
0: you hit me so hard down there.
1: Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 O'Clock Football Frenzy. On Cofield and Company.
2: You know, we covered uh, with different guests the uh, Broncos ownership situation the last couple of days and one last thing on that whole deal uh, talking to judge Dan from the fan in Denver and the fact that you kind of had a member of the Bolin family come from out of nowhere that they didn't really know about. Uh, I wonder, can they all get along and move forward as a team? Like I think, cause I think the ownership is now split into like eight parts when if, and that was why I kept pounding like, Hey, the team might be worth eight billion dollars down the road, right? Uh, but right now, Philip Anschutz eighty one year old who, you know, owns a ton, is, is I mean, he's involved in everything. He actually owns the Kings. If he comes with four billion and like you're one of the members of the family and you're not like swimming in it right now, aren't you pressuring the others? Like, hey, I need my money now. Like this could turn into a freaking High level TV drama. Yeah, I was, I was
0: actually just looking to see if uh, anything had ever been discussed publicly about this, but I, I think just a, a description of how crazy the situation is. I know of a UFC fighter who several years ago was telling me that he was like part owner <laughs> of the Broncos. And he's like, it's a family thing. He's like, it's from this part of the family, this part of the family. Like, I have part of the team. And he's like, I don't know how it's going to play out. Like, I don't know how the whole thing's going to work. But this is a long time ago that he was telling me about this. And as this is all played out, I've been thinking like, yeah, like I should have kind of known that this was a thing because he was expressing like, you know, the weirdness of like, uh, there's family that's part of the family, but not part of the family, and this family owns it, but this family doesn't, and this part does, and he's like, it was a whole thing. And so, I and I don't think, I can't find anything, so I'm not gonna say who it is, but I was like, okay, yeah, whatever, that sounds crazy. And then now it's like, okay, yeah, I guess there's a lot of layers to this.
2: Name, image, likeness. It's here. July 1st was the opener for it. We've seen deals already all across the country with different athletes. It's going to change the way college sports looks. Uh, Frankly, I think a lot of it's just going to be above board stuff that they were already doing. Uh, I think the wealth is going to be spread to more athletes. Reggie Bush has been talked about a lot today. What do you think about the Reggie Bush situation?
0: Well, I, I mean... I always thought. Well, first of all, I always thought that he did something that a lot of players do, and a lot of happens to a lot of people. And he was kind of the poster boy yep. for getting in trouble for it, which kind of sucks for him.
2: He got extra benefits, sure. But you and I believe on both the basketball and football side that lots of you know folks in that top fifty, the most coveted recruits, there's a bidding war.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's any question. I think he did. Again, he did something that a lot of other people have done. He got punished for it, which fair because he did cheat I mean not cheat is not the right word he did break the rules he he took extra benefits so, and got caught sure and and it was not allowed at the time and that was the punishment at the time and so that's what he had to deal with but he did something that a lot of other people do and don't get in trouble for and don't get caught with don't get awards taken away don't get you know banned from your school essentially and and shunned uh, from the, from the campus community and all those things um, so I, I thought it was unfair but now it's all coming around to okay he should get the Heisman back he should get this back he should get this back and it's weird because while I thought it was unfair at the time like now looking back like they weren't wrong he did break the rules like he did take things so just because it's legal now doesn't mean that it was legal then yeah so I I'm not against Reggie Bush and I you know like I said I, I didn't think it was fair how he was treated necessarily but now it's swung back completely the other way and you're like yeah, you did. You did. It's not to follow the rules. It's kind
2: of always that lame defense that, the, well, kind of in reverse, there were no rules for steroids. Yeah. Well, but you knew what you're doing. Right. You knew it was out of control. You know, when you're Mark McGuire and you're 6'5, 248 coming into baseball and you're 305 pounds with the Cardinals, come on. Your back's all zitty. You know, you're hitting freaking rockets all over the park. Like, you know, you had an edge.
0: Right. And so, you know, we didn't go back and say, Well, we determined a lot of people were on steroids, so we're going to give, you know, well, because you didn't really take anything away. Actually, baseball hasn't done that. There there are
2: guys who have tested positive. Now, I don't know that they have a specific test in the year where they, say, won an MVP or Cy Young. Like, would you want them stripping awards? I would actually, I mean, you know what I root for. I root for uh, people of the same ilk bonding together and power numbers. I would love to see, like, ten Heisman Trophy winners come together and go, you either overturn this or you can take our Eisman and shove it.
0: Like a bunch of guys go back and they're like, we don't want it. Screw you. Or they go back and just say like, oh, we also took benefits, so or, what yeah. are you going to do? What are you going to do? I mean, you, they could do something <laughs> like that. Again, I, I don't want to come across like anti-Reggie Bush. No. Nah. Because I, I didn't think what happened to him at the time was fair. But to now go back and be like, well, n- now that it's legal, what he did was legal. Like, No, it wasn't. He, he did still take the benefits. He. He broke the rules at the time and was punished, even though other people weren't punished for the same thing. It's it's a pretty complicated situation. I don't think it's as easy to just say all right he gets this back.
2: Olympics coming, so we get a lot more feature stories, and we should know just about everything we need to about one
0: Simone Biles, but I guess she's part of a celebrity couple. Well, I don't know, celebrity. She's the celebrity in the couple. Jonathan Owens is not very not not exactly the most well known NFL player. Okay, just he's on the Texans. Okay, um, she's doing like one of those Facebook shows, like like your favorite show, Ball in the Family. Oh, really? Yeah, it's not it's not Ball in the Family. Obviously, it's a different sure. show. But yeah. she's doing a show on Facebook, and uh, one of the you know episodes that just came out featured Jonathan Owens talking about how he had no idea who she was, which is always interesting to me. Well, you know it's always interesting with the
2: athlete thing because the what Shailene Woodley, uh, Yoko Woodley, as you call her, really didn't know what Aaron Rodgers did, which I guess we believe. I was I I'm always curious when someone says I had no idea that the you know this athlete was you know who they are, um, when their size involved, like you know I had no idea he played basketball. He's six nine, um, or you know some I had. I, you know, I had no idea. Maybe some defensive lineman, like he's six foot, three hundred and forty pounds. You, you didn't, you didn't have an inkling. But I wonder, like reverse, like Simone Biles is kind of an interesting body type. True. Well, he knew she was a gymnast. Oh, he did know that, but he yeah. didn't know how he didn't know how big but she I, was. I'm just going back to I the... mean, she's like she. I mean, she what is she like four ten? Yeah, she's four ten and probably like the most muscular woman you're ever gonna ever meet um i would just think she just flips everywhere but i'm gonna so go to like the, you're like why is this woman flipping randomly i'm
0: gonna go to the rogers woman. by the but way
2: that was a joke she's not she's not flipping oh yeah you know.
0: she probably is with uh <laughs> i would if i could to go back to the yoko thing though like okay you meet a guy and he's incredibly wealthy obviously and like oh where are you from california where do you live green bay okay w- w- huh you clearly play I mean, for the Packers.
2: I mean, if you're not if you're not a football fan, that may not that might not seem strange to you.
0: That's ridiculous. Um, While who well, what, who would live in Green Bay? What's your job in Wisconsin? <laughs> right, what do you do there? Like, come on, who's moving to Green Bay for work? It doesn't even make any sense. That's that's silly. Uh, but in this case, Owens knew she was a gymnast. She's you know he meets her. What do you do? I'm a gymnast. Oh, okay, cool. So that all like when you're you to your point of like oh she's very little obviously incredibly muscular great athlete okay that makes sense but he didn't know that she was like the gymnast right and so he said like he's like oh she got a lot of followers I guess it's because she's like cute and does a lot of you know flips online and stuff like that makes sense like is there a point you just start you look someone up I would of course you would but what he said is that he was like they were out one day and like every single person they walk by is like oh my god Simone Biles and he's like oh she's something (laughs) (laughs) oh okay I, I get it which, which would be hilarious if well, that's like, good. No. It's good
2: it's good to know you know someone's not with you because you're famous
0: although i I just I never know if I believe these things because I mean, first of all you'd have to be oblivious. like she is one of the most famous athletes in the world you'd have to be pretty oblivious to not know especially if you're an athlete I don't know dude everyone's not as dialed in as you are that, that's a tough one but I, I like I'm always skeptical of these but it is still a funny
1: story Justin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600.
2: It really doesn't matter whether there are rules or not, because no one is really in charge. Who is going to enforce these rules? It is going to be the wild, wild west. The athletes are going to make money, uh, and the schools are going to be looking around like, what can we do about it? And the answer is nothing.
1: Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. Can we be a little glass half full on NIL?
2: I'm not saying Paul Feinbaum is old, but he is. He makes a point, though. It is going to be interesting to see how NIL plays out, and if there is someone, you would think the NCAA overseeing the thing, or if it's conferences, there's a lot of questions to be answered.
0: Yeah, I just just saw somebody else complaining, you know, the real problem here is that some of the money that goes to the school's athletic departments is going to be diverted to the athletes themselves. Like, yeah. Yeah.
2: I don't get it. I don't, know, I don't get the anti-athlete sentiment. Let's talk to, because uh, we already got a former player on in Curtis Terry, and we've got a former player and coach in Tony Sanchez, who was a coach at UNLV, and he joined Stephen Adam here in Vegas. What's up, Coach?
3: Hey, guys. How you doing?
2: We're good. How are you? Uh, you uh, you How's were doing? telling me earlier when we are reaching out to you, you are doing some hot yoga today.
3: Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, you got to keep the mind right, got to keep the body right. Absolutely, I was. I
2: wonder, if, I wonder if there's a lot of college coaches around the country who are like, I need some hot yoga today because I don't know what I'm going to be doing with this NIL.
3: Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. You know, I think it would help everybody uh, grasp it and get through it. No, but good work. I've been doing it a while now. So
2: uh, let's talk about what, what you've been doing in recent times. We'll get to uh, your gig at TCU, but, you know, what would you do with uh, the time off? Uh, obviously, the pandemic made it a little harder. I think a lot of coaches, if they've got some time off, go around, talk to people, work some clinics. What were you doing?
3: You know what? I kind of just, you know, hanging out, um, you know, last June, you know, when things looked like they were clearing up for a little bit, did a little travel, and then everyone kind of hunkered back down again, but, you know, it was a little frustrating, because there was a lot of possibilities out there, and then with the whole COVID thing, it kind of put a, a, you know, a halt on some of the job opportunities, so you just kind of sat back, relaxed a little bit, and, you know, hung out with the family a little bit, you know, watched college football, hadn't done that in years, and just kind of relaxed, got your mind right, got in shape, and, uh... Just, you know, there's two ways to look at everything, you know, positive and negative. I just looked at it as a positive to get myself right, you know?
2: That's the voice of uh, Tony Sanchez, the former coach at UNLV. He's on the staff now at TCU. You talk to coaches, so did you get any you know, crazy stories or what was your sense of what it was like in the wackiest year in recent times to be a college football coach with all these restrictions?
3: You know what? Uh, it, it, it's crazy. It's almost one of those years you uh, – yeah, I can't imagine sitting in the seat during that stuff. I talked to quite a few guys, and everybody did it different. You know, I mean, most places you weren't even allowed to come into the building. And then, you know, once you got going, just the, you know, the daily uh, test, COVID testing you had to take care of. And then, you know, the quarantines and, you know, teams not having enough alignment so they have to scratch games. And then you have some teams that look like they scratch games because they wanted to scratch games. So it was an interesting year on a lot of different levels. Um you know, the one thing I thought that was tough is seeing some coaches get shown the door during that year. I thought that was kind of a there was a lot to handle, and I, I think some guys were judged a little too harsh, harshly, you know, during that time. But you know, half off to the players and coaches that got through it.
0: Coach, you said you watched games. Was that difficult?
3: You know what? You never get a chance to really sit back and watch a game. You know, the first couple, you know, you're a little antsy. You know, you want to be out there and. You know, I think, you know, when teams are going into camp and, you know, they're getting ready, you know, you love that whole prep and being around guys and everything. So, yeah, it was a little difficult, but at the same time, it was kind of neat to sit back and watch a variety of different games and different offenses and, you know, get on the horn and talk to guys on the phone about different things. You know, I'd rather have gone out and been able to see it if I wasn't working. But, um, you know, again, just, you know, took it as a time to kind of relax, rejuvenate and, you know, watch some ball.
0: So, in in retrospect, was you know was that year kind of good for you?
3: You know what I'll tell you this, and I've told this to a lot of people since. You know, you know, as you're going through and you're grinding through your career, and you know, and you're dealing with a lot of different things, it probably wouldn't be a bad thing for everyone to get you know one season off. You know, every you know 11 years just to kind of clear the mind. You know, just you know get in shape, just you know spend a little bit more time with people you love, and then jump back in. You know, just. You know, you look at some of the great coaches that have been able to do it, you know, the Dick Vermeils, and, you know, some of these guys that have stepped away and come back and, you know, been almost even better, you know. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting to see.
2: Tony Sanchez is up on Cofield and company. So you're at TCU, so tell people here in Vegas uh, what the job is and why you chose that spot.
3: Well, you know, I mean, it's one of those deals where I've known Coach Patterson for a while and an opportunity came up, so it's not like you're, you're, you know, really picky when it comes to the jobs. You're looking for a great opportunity, but, you know, when you have a chance to go to the Big 12, when you have a chance to go coach for a guy that's been as successful as anybody walking the sidelines for the last 20 years, you know, he's the second longest tenured coach, and, you know, and, I, and he's got a, a real, you know, strong, you know, personality, and he's a good teacher, you know, he's got some old school to him, which I really relate to, and um, it's just a great opportunity to be at an amazing institution that, you know, loves football, understands the resources that need to go towards football, they support the coaches, um, the student bodies there. I mean, it's, uh, everywhere you go in that town of Fort Worth, it's TCU, and I don't care if it's a fancy steakhouse or if it's just, you know, just a little, uh, everybody's got TCU flags flying, everybody cares about it, and it's, uh, it's neat to be around.
2: So what is the offensive analyst gig?
3: Well, you know, you see, it's an interesting deal. The last, you know, five, eight years it's become a, a big thing. And, you know, some staff have more analysts than they do coaches. So, you know, <laughs> uh, what I'm doing, what I'm going to do, I'm helping a lot with the recruiting. And, you know, I came in. Um, we, they were, we, we did a bunch of our visits early. So some schools do them late. We had a bunch of visits here in June along with camps. So I helped a lot with the recruiting the evaluation of home and, you know, talking about different guys, you know, and, you know, I know a lot of coaches around the country in the different regions of the, that I've been, and obviously being at UNLV and even before Gorman, so those ties really help quite a bit. So doing that, and then I'll be working with the, with the wide receiver tight ends and the running back, you know, and we'll do some prep to help them, you know, get ready for opponents coming up ahead and anything that needs to get done during the week uh, for the, you know, current opponent.
2: So aside from Vegas, what do you think is your, your strongest area in terms of connects for recruiting?
3: Well, I mean, really all over. I mean, you know, you know, in Vegas, obviously, you have the areas that we recruited. But then beyond that, because of TCU and then the caliber of kids that they can recruit, you know, they're, they're, most of their guys are going to come from the, that Texas Legion, But they have the ability to go out and jump into a Florida, jump into a California, different places like that, and, and go get, you know, big-time recruits. And I've got a great relationship with a lot of uh, coaches, you know, from the Modern Days to the Boscos to the St. Thomas Aquinas and to those, you know, yep. you know. Sometimes I know when we're at UNLV, it's going after those high end guys is really difficult. You know, they're not going to come play in the Mountain West. You know, so you know it's almost even more advantageous now when you're in the Big Twelve.
0: Coach, how much purple do you have in your wardrobe?
3: <laughs> I'm wearing a TCU shirt right now.
0: <laughs> there you go. Uh, so. You know, today's a big day, obviously, in college athletics, a a massive day that uh, could change the complexion of everything. How much of a recruiting edge will it be for schools that, you know, kind of embrace this early and and put players in a position to take advantage
3: of the new rules? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how everybody looks at it, interprets it, how everybody utilizes it. I mean, I think it's one of those things where you have to be talking about it's here, it's here to stay, it's not going to change. So it's like anything else in life, you better adapt, you know, or it'll it'll, it'll end up crushing you. Now, I think what's going to be hard is, you know, if you're at a big school, you know, you're going to have a lot of alumni, people involved in the program, people around your city, they're going to want to, you know, they're going to want to help the student athlete, you know, justly so, you know, through advertising or whatever it may be. And they're still going to have some money for the athletic department. It's going to be interesting in some of the smaller markets. How are you going to kind of compete with that? You know, when you're still trying to raise money, you're trying to upgrade facilities, you're trying to pay a equitable coaching salary, now all of a sudden some of your biggest donors and boosters and people in the community are being pulled towards, you know, um, NLIs along with the fundraising part. That, that's that's a weird double-edged sword for certain programs. So it's going to be interesting to see how everybody maneuvers through it.
0: Yeah, we, we talked about it earlier that uh, LSU is already calling themselves NILSU <laughs> and, like, <laughs> marketing it out there, which, I mean, yeah. I, I guess more more power to them. It's, It's kind of crazy. Well, we, one of the things we talked about is we still don't like, we understand that players can take advantage of this, can make some money now can, you know, take advantage of their name, image and likeness and all this other stuff. But I don't know like what the rules are, how, how much like preparation time do coaches have to like, understand what you can and can't do or what players can and can't do. Like, is this kind of the wild, wild west right now? Or is there kind of some standards?
3: Well, I mean, that's where compliance comes in, you know. And they've got their hands full right now. You know, everything up until this point, compliance has had such a, you know, some compliance departments are, you know, at practice hiding behind trees. Others are, you know, a lot more open about things and just, you know, working with the coaches and stuff. I've I've seen both, believe me. Um, and uh, it, you know, you're really going to have to work hand in hand to make sure everything's been done done the right way. And then I think it's going to be really important that the players, you know they do a really good job of communicating with their administrators on what's going on when people are reaching out and that things are flowing the appropriate way so there's not all these side things going on. So, honestly, it's um, I'm still learning about it as we go, um, I'm, you know, as we get back in, you know, on campus. And we start, you know, now, you know, at least where we're, at, we're having a lot of in-person meetings and things like that, you know, which is good finally. Um, so we'll be educated and learn a whole lot more about it, I'm sure, as we get through going through camp.
2: Tony Sanchez uh, now at TCU is up with... Cofield and Company. You mentioned communication a bunch of times there. I also think it's going to be really important. Uh, coaches today better have the communications line uh, lines open with their players because uh, we had Curtis Terry on. You know, played for the Rebels on the basketball side, and Curtis was talking about, hey, just maybe the possibility of even discord amongst your players if some are making a little more money with NIL than others, and it's like it's already hard enough to motivate and manage kids, and now you might have money involved. I think that's going to be really interesting.
3: Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, you, you always have to deal with, you know, playing time issues, you know. Just, I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it. But now when you have guys in your team that literally are making, you know, they're making salaries, right? I mean, they're not obviously being paid by the university, but they're making money on their name, image, and likeness. And some name, images, and likenesses are are going to be worth yeah. more than others. So you're going to have some guys, I mean, look at a football team, even a basketball team, you're going to have some guys who aren't going to make a penny. And I know a football team, we have 105 guys. That could be 50, 60, 70, some programs. That might be 90 of the guys not making a penny, you know. I um, might even be more. It just depends what market you're in and how much money there is out there, you know. Um, so it, it's going to be – there's definitely going to be some, some issues when it comes to that and how you handle it and manage it's really going to challenge your uh, just your your head coaching and your administrator skills, you know. I mean, it's from athletic directors to, you know, head coaches to assistant coaches, you're, it, you know, it's going to – Really change the dynamic of what it is to be a coach at the collegiate level.
2: Yeah, I was just thinking of a you know a situation, say a couple of years ago, and how coaches deal with something like this. And this is very selfish from my standpoint, but for like my radio show, right? If I come to you a couple of years ago and I'm like, uh, you know what, Coach, I have 10 grand for Max Gillum. I want him on every week. He's my weekly guest. Armani Rogers. Now I don't want him. And then all of a sudden, you're like, wait, the starting quarterback's are not getting the money. Like, no.
3: Yeah, I mean and that obviously you see where, the, where you know where that is an issue, you know right. and, you know and then I, I don't know if you saw the other day too, they just uh, came out with a rule that says you can't cap the amount of money that is spent on educational needs. you yeah. know So yeah. before it was I mean so nowadays again, if you're a university and you want to give kids, you know, I mean, whatever. I mean, a cell phone and educational need. Can you get them cell phones now? You know, I mean, obviously, laptops. You've already been able to do all that stuff. But what is truly an educational need? So, there's a whole other level of benefits out there that's going to be uh, interesting. So, uh,
2: you're going to be? Are you going to Fort Worth full time with a house, or are you going to keep a residence here? Not to get too deep into your dealings, but Vegas, yeah, is, kind no, a, Vegas just, is kind of Vegas is kind of a hard not, place to leave.
3: It, it, oh yeah, you know what? Vegas has been good to me. It's been. Um, Man, it's been a hell of a run, 12 years now. You know, you think of those six years of Gorman, the five at UNLV, and then this last year being off, it's, um, I've got some lifelong friends here. You know, so many people, you know, especially at UNLV, you know, worked so hard to help us build that football facility. You know, really proud that we got that thing done, but we didn't get it done on our own. I mean, that was our community jumping in and believing what we were doing there. So, you know, again, I, I'm really, I really appreciate this community. So, you know, I'm, I, I might get a condo out here or something, and, you know, we may be back here someday. You never know, but right now, My 100% energy is focused on Fort Worth, Texas, and TCU. You know, riding for the brand. And that's the logo on my chest. That's who I'm fired up to be with right now.
2: There you go. Well, we'd love to check in with you, you know, during the season, after the season. We're uh, we're glad you're doing well, and congrats on the gig. No, I appreciate you guys.
3: Viva Las Vegas. There you go. (laughs) Thanks, Coach.
2: Thanks. Tony Sanchez, a former coach at UNLV, now working with TCU. And he made a good point in the middle of it. You know, when you're recruiting in the Mountain West Conference and you're trying to build a program like UNLV and you're dealing with, as he mentioned, modern days and Boscos and all these power programs, say in Southern California, you, you walk in as a UNLV coach, it's like, eh, okay, maybe like there's the eighth guy on the you know on the roster, still a good player. When you're TCU and Big 12, all of a sudden now, the you know, doors are open for different guys.
0: Yeah, it's going to be crazy. First of all, do we not get a go-frogs in the end there? We see? I don't it's know. One last time. <laughs> the Viva Las Vegas. I like it. It's good.
2: Uh, yeah. Don't oh, bel- <laughs> believe me, there, there could be a purpose to that as well. You, you, you think he wants to come back here every once in a while and pluck some high school players? Get them down to Fort Worth? Of course. Of course he does. Um, We're going to add, you know, Adam Planner. already made his way down there and then does come back. And, you know, he's probably going to be an outstanding player here for at least a couple
0: more years at UNLV. Yeah. Uh, oh, to your point, though, I mean, yeah, when your back, if your backup is making money and you're not, or if – or if, like, hey, even if there's, like, a, a stated thing, like, hey, starting quarterback, you know, every year, you know, such and such, you know, whatever, department store is going to pay the starting quarterback every year $25,000 to, you know, be their spokesman or whatever. I mean, if there's something like that, and, like, all of a sudden now the camp battle is a little bit different, it's, it's not, you know, as, as supportive maybe. Like, there's a lot on the line there.
2: Crazy. More, more, more
0: positive than We're coming up with more
2: negatives. Like, hey, this is going to be reality. No, the positives are clear. Yes, players get paid. We've always wanted. Now, that. now you have different responsibilities as a school administrator, and especially the coaching staff. And you may not like it, but I will. I will always go back to: kids are getting a chance to be adults a little bit earlier. They're going to learn real life lessons, and that, in the end, I think a lot of football coaches are just like football. All football, like it's not all football. Most of them are not going to make any money playing football after they're done at your school. Your job is to freaking prep them, yeah, to win football games, but be productive members of society. It's crazy that I don't all- know, I'm yelling about it, but it just that that always that kind of that football mentality.
0: and Nothing else matters. Lots of other stuff matters. It's also crazy that a lot of this. I think eventually they, it would have come to this anyway. But if the NCAA and, and the member institutions would have a couple of years ago started going like, you know what, some sort of salary and everybody gets the same amount of salary and everybody gets paid. It would have at least put this off for a while for them, but by fighting it and fighting it and fighting it, they, they backed themselves into this. And we're all for it for the athletes, which is great, but it leaves so many questions for the schools.
1: Visit LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack, brought to you by Nova Home Loans. And there's wine already for tasting. And there's Cadillacs all shiny
2: and new. Do you think Sammy, Dean, Frank ever were like giant hot dog fans in Vegas? Like, yeah, look at the hot dog cart over there. There's nickel hot dogs. I'm guessing maybe not, but you never know. I, you shrimp know, d- cocktail. Shrimp cocktail, okay. Well, I'm just going to say right now. Well, first of all, Adam Hill's not in tomorrow. So today is your last day before the hot dog eating contest. Biggest
0: biggest sporting event of the year.
2: Uh, We are the number one show in the country in terms of intensity. And it's like true intensity when it comes to the hot dog eating contest. We're unchallenged. We've done hot dog pregame shows around Nathan's on the 4th of July. We're also
0: still lamenting the fact that we never got the full Kobayashi chestnut rival.
2: I'm so pissed off. I... And it, you know what? It, it, it was brewing within yesterday, and I'm telling... I'm Calm down. Breathe. So we know the backstory here, right? We got the Nathans going down. Last year was kind of a, a mess because they were just doing it in some, you know, white void room like John Oliver's doing his show, right? He always jokes about that uh, because of safety issues. So Chestnut's unreal, and he seems to be stretching away from the field. The guy is almost a guarantee to do 70 to 75 hot dogs in 10 minutes. The competition behind him, he's had some people creep up on him close in some years. Last year, no one was close. You know, to me, though, the real story is on the women's side. And either women are just not into competitive eating or there's something wrong with what the Shea brothers are doing because they're not bringing in the the best. They're not developing – the best in the world. So Mickey Sudo, who's don't. There's no laughing here. Okay, this no, is serious but, stuff.
0: But they're they're not in the business of developing. No, they're, they they are. They, they are, are for
2: the, No, 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 no. They run Major League Eating. All right, they have a whole. S- they're supposed to be neutral. Don't laugh, Angel. This is serious stuff. What are you talking about?
0: They're not supposed to choose
2: sides. They run
0: the competition. I'm not
2: asking them to choose sides. You don't
0: develop. You let, you let the competition does, come in. Does
2: your buddy Dana White have a vested interest in developing younger fighters? Yes. And he does it. They've got shows. They've got you know web features. You have to have a pipeline of the next eaters on the way. And I don't feel like they're doing what's best for the sport. So, Mickey Sudo is out. She's pregnant. Now, there's a whole set of questions. Maybe a future that, star. That I would love to. It could be a future star. Yeah. Well, she's actually, I, I think the dad, because he's actually a top five eater in the hot dog side. Um, I i mean, they could be producing a super eater here, but we're not going to find out for like 15, 16, 17 years. we get William Hill to put up a prop?
0: Will the kid win a, a hot dog eating competition within 30 You know years?
2: What? William Hill UK would do it.
0: Of course, Probably. Would. Of
2: course. So she's out. She's pregnant. I, I believe it. I have a whole lot of physical questions about why she can't be in pregnant but the last time we had mickey on i like i got so fired up that i think she was like okay guys yeah. like it really it got really it's creepy. something
0: i do one day a year and eat some hot dogs like settle down
2: calm down we got, i got so and it, here's the thing it wasn't like when you hear creepy you're like oh you got creepy with a woman it, it had nothing to do with that no. every time i talk to these competitive eaters i just start hyperventilating i'm like get me a bag these are the best athletes in the world. And you know how worked up? You and I get over the fact that Kobayashi and Chestnut
0: could have been meeting the last, like, 13 years. It was, they it's, haven't. It's not fair to the fans that didn't get to see the rivalry. It's not fair to Kobayashi, obviously, who got shut Damn out. Damn it! And it's not fair to Chestnut, who, yes, most people just look at it and they don't understand that you know, his, his closest competitor isn't part of it. They just watch it once a year and they're like, okay, hot dogs, funny. Those that follow the sport know that we are deprived of, of one of the great rivalries in sports history and – Chestnut could have been pushed even harder. He could have been setting even more
2: records. 80-plus if he was pushed harder. Let's liken it to what happens in boxing, right? We can't get heavyweights Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury to fight. It's mostly the fault of promoters. Sure. And that's – the Shea brothers are promoters. They've got their organization. So what I'm leading to is no Mickey Sudo. Second place last year, she did 48, which I think actually tied her boyfriend – she would have been second best in the men's field. She did 48 hot dogs. The second best person last year did 18. Wow. That's ridiculous. Well, so who's, 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 who's going to step up? What woman is going to step up to do 20 plus? None. And that's also probably why they're off the broadcast, by the way. And this is when I get pissed off. Yeah. This is, this is when I get pissed. Because widely recognized as the best eater in the world on the female side. And I'm I'm always butchering her name is Molly Schuyler, Schuyler, uh, who has been a legend in the Philadelphia area Wing Bowl. Legendary. Yeah. But here's the deal: when you eat in MLE, it's an exclusive deal. You eat in their competitions. There is no, you know, rogue competition. You can't just go and do what you want. So a lot of the people outside the organization can make more money, bouncing around. I found. I think I think Molly Schaller could do 30 plus. I actually think she can do more. I found a video from 2 years ago with Molly where she did loaded sabret hot dogs. <laughs> Those are a challenge. You're not, you know what? On that one. No. Now, the contest she was in was 15 minutes. It's only a 10. Is it 12 for the women? I can't I can't remember if it is. Whatever. Um, She did 15 minutes, but what she did, she did 30 specialty hot dogs, which were actually quarter pound sausages plus, plus various toppings. Like have you, you've gone to some of the fancy hot dog places, right? Sure. Where they, they get crazy. Yeah. Toppings ranging from regular style chili and cheese to a ghost pepper, even a fudge and marshmallow hot dog. A wasabi hot dog, um, the estimation here is about 13 pounds of hot dogs and buns and toppings. And now you're, t-
0: you're telling me? She can't be in the Nathans? And It makes it harder not being able to dip. You can't dip like a chili cheese, dog.
2: I get so mad. I think we all want to see the best against the best in sporting competitions.
0: Will we ever get a Kobe comeback?
2: I mean, it doesn't look like it. What's the motivation?
0: That ah, sucks. Yeah, I was I was tagged on a tweet that uh, Joey Chestnut was the other day. We were both guests on a show, and I was just like, "Should I, should I, pay my respects because I do respect him, or should I just fire back a hashtag free Kobe?" And I didn't do either, but I was definitely going back and forth on it. I mean, I, this is the time of year. I just get fired up. That's, what, that's all I'm thinking about. I'm ready for Sunday. I'm going to watch. Of course, You're going to watch. watch? Of course you're going to watch. I'm going to watch. I'm thrilled.
2: And uh, Molly's still in her prime, man. Still in her prime. Get her out there. She was. She recently won the uh, Double Chubby's Avalanche Challenge at Chubby Southern Barbecue in Maryland. What is that? Um, each avalanche burger included eight half-pound hamburger patties, oh. each with two slices of American cheese, eight Louisiana hot link sausages, lettuce, tomato. Um, she actually had two of the burgers, about sixteen pounds of food.
1: Jeez.
0: What a what a legend!
2: A nah, true athlete. This lady's married with four kids. What a machine! oh well, there's hope for Mickey that she's going to bounce back strong. Do you think? Do
0: you think the kids are big eaters? Like when dinner goes on the table, is it just like? Chaos. You would think.
2: God, she holds the record for that—that that seventy-two ounce uh, steak. That, well, no, she actually just has the record because I think what is it? The Big Texan had it. That kind of made it famous in Amarillo, right? And I only know that because you know, every, anytime you drive across the country, if you're on the forty,
0: you're like, oh, there's Big Texan, 70, well, seventy-two went. ounce
2: steak. You got to finish it, I think, in like a half an hour, an hour.
0: Yeah, um, it's a weird, it's a weird spot.
2: Yeah, she, uh, she did a seventy-two ounce steak. At a place in Portland. And uh, let's see. The record at the restaurant was 12 minutes and 53 seconds. Uh, world record was 6 minutes and 38 seconds. Uh, Miley Schuyler did it in 2 minutes and 44 seconds.
0: What took her so long?
2: <laughs> How is she not in this?
0: The, the, the contract terms. If you want if you want the uh, best in your competition, you got to pay for it.
2: 2014 Wing Bowl 22 in Philly. Ate 363 wings. It. Yeah. 2015, Wing Bowl 23. You know, that's not enough. Let's go for 440.
0: Unreal. I mean, the, the, the numbers are staggering. She's so, a corn dog like, specialist, too! Right, but this she's is like, a corn. I'm
2: tell, loaded hot dogs, corn dogs. Uh, she's got the record at the Sacramento County Fair 29 corn dogs in eight minutes.
0: It's like the Barry Bond season, though. It's like the numbers are so staggering that it's not even—it it like doesn't even make sense. Like you can't comprehend it.
2: Unreal. What do you want her to do? Prime rib. She did 360 ounces of prime rib in 45 minutes. In Easy. Milwaukee. Easy. And she's not in this thing. So, I just—when you're watching and they show the women's results, you're like, they, they're not bringing in the best athletes possible. Come on, Shea Brothers, but they've got this
0: juggernaut. They've got the TV deal. More people need to speak out against this. Injustice. We do it every year.
2: No one listens to us. We don't have well, the power.
0: More. This is an injustice that needs to be addressed.
2: I don't. I. Are you being serious? Or are you doing? I feel like I you're.
0: <laughs> of course I am. I don't joke about that stuff. There's are you real competition? Uh,
2: by the way, are you eating hot dogs on the fourth? Bunless, because I know you're a non. You're anti-bun. You're an anti-butter.
0: Yeah. Uh. Or
2: do you go for a wing record? Because you're a very pro-winger.
0: Oh, I do love wings, but it, there's a wing shortage right now.
2: There's a wing shortage. Are you going to go, will you replace it with like eight thighs and try to beat out Rick Ross?
0: No, definitely not. You know know
2: that Rick Ross is pushing that now. Yeah, not my thing. The whole thigh thing. What do you mean it's not your thing? Eh. Thighs. Here we go. Another anti-thigher.
0: Yeah.
2: Ant thigh? (laughs) Ant thigh. Is that shortened? I think think think. so. All right, coming up next, we'll get you the uh, numbers. We're heading towards a... uh, Six o'clock start, actually, a 540 start in the Bucks and the Hawks. Again, no Trey Young in the game for the Hawks.
1: Want to be part of the show? Tweet at Steve Colfield or call 702 364
0: 1100. Everybody's gotten criticized. This is false narrative. I'm these jackasses on television talking about somebody gets scrutinized more than other people. Give me a freaking break. Paul George is a terrific player, but that goes with being a terrific player. And these other guys talk about he gets treated
1: unfairly. Give me a freaking break. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company.
2: Uh, Chuck going after pandemic P, playoff P, saying stop whining. About being scrutinized, what do you think?
0: I mean, everybody is everybody is scrutinized every day for everything they do. Yeah, um, we we talked about this with George. Like, I, I think he is more so. I think he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt like other players do sometimes.
2: They have social media back when Barkley played. No, He's is it lucky. in your face like it is now? He's lucky,
0: right? Even, even MySpace wasn't around.
2: Uh, funny thing is, I brought it up the other day. a Story from a couple of weeks ago: Charles Barkley whining about being scrutinized for what he says on TV.
0: <laughs> funny amazing it's he's, very he's hard being, to see he's being cancelled <laughs> yeah, that's right uh, it's very hard <laughs> to see yourself a I lot know. of times
2: I know it's amazing no Trey Young tonight that sucks Bucks four and a half now so we'll see how this turns out when I saw it I was like okay let me go look at this number Bucks were
0: two and a half when
2: the news came down now four and a half
0: no Giannis no Trey wow which means the Clippers are just, or excuse me, the Suns are just sitting there licking their chops.
2: Bucks better win this one.
0: Come they on, they have to.
2: Come on. They have to. They have to be focused. They didn't seem very focused in the last game. Well, and, and, and they, they were. And they couldn't make free throws. And then they got jacked up mentally because Giannis went down. Right.
0: But then, I mean, people were pointing out, like, I I thought down eight, the Bucks were in control of the game. Uh, I wow. thought they absolutely were. Um they weren't winning they were they were not hitting shots really the Hawks were hitting everything they put up there uh but I thought the the Bucks were just like biting their time they were about to take over uh defensively they were starting to settle in a little bit uh down eight at the time Giannis got hurt and then all of a sudden it was like a 15 to one run or something like that that they just did not respond well to the injury uh at all got blown off the floor that really can't happen it can't really be an excuse but I mean there is a reason obviously with him being out and them looking around and saying okay now what we were sitting in this spot where we were the clear front runner and the obvious front runner to win the championship and now what now we're probably a massive underdog you know to win it all definitely an underdog to to win the series most likely I mean um, it's a tough spot but you've got to respond better and they've got to now after two days to think about it they've got to put a better response with the home floor
2: Baseball, Rangers pull off the upset, plus 157, 8-3 over the A's. They take two of three in the series. And do you want to sing it or do I sing it? What, Las Vegas A's? No. Come on, Rangers. Oh, Joey. There you go, baby. Uh, Joey Gallo, another home run today. That's seven in his last five games. Three for three, three ribbies. Your favorite thing to pay attention to because you always try to come over the top. By the way, Gallo, hometown guy, now 20 home runs. You're like, what's his average? Two thirty nine. How about that? Oh, wow, Look at that. Big week. It's a big week. He's gone
0: from like one ninety eight to two thirty nine or something. He's
2: got twenty homers and uh, is it forty six ribs? Uh, forty six to... ribs. Uh, I. There's no one. The last per. The last two people I paid attention to their stats outside of maybe some fantasy guys. This much probably goes back to my childhood with both Don Mattingly and I remember one year because I was kind of a Brewers fan and I like Cecil Cooper in the open the open batting stance, and I got so pissed off one year when Cecil Cooper got stuck on 99 RBI. Like, he had it in, like, game 151 and never drove in another run.
0: That's pretty bad. Uh, so I, will, I will look
2: during the break if I'm anywhere near accurate on those stats from, like, 1983 probably. Impressive. So that's what was that 40 years ago?
0: Yeah, and – I a swear big, I, I, didn't, I didn't look it up. It just hit me. I'm like, come on! It was a big series for Joey. I mean, he, he had the home run today, as you mentioned, but uh, – the first game of the series which would have been tuesday um two solo home runs in in huge spots in a game that the a's were ahead uh big mistake to gallo and then uh they were tied and you know looked like they were uh settling in a little bit and then gallo hit another home run so uh he had a massive series against the a's and and impactful home runs not just home runs do you have an internet sports bet to float uh what kind of it's a a fighter Bilal muhammad uh, who's in the ufc said if you were offered 10 half-court shots and told if you make one, you, hit, you get $2 million. If you miss all 10, straight to jail for two years. Would you do it?
2: No. Oof.
0: Not enough money. I'll be tempted.
2: You'd have no shot. you crumble under pressure.
0: I've, I mean, I want to go out there and shoot 10. Two years in see. jail and you only get 10 shots? Well, it depends what jail it is, too. I mean there's some jails that you'd be like, alright, just watch T V all day and hang out. Okay. I mean if it's like a real jail You don't get to work from like
2: you don't get to keep your RJ job and work from a distance. Your job is gone. Oh so you're
0: saying you lose your job too so Well that that generally when you go to jail, yeah, you lose your job. Uh, but I was thinking when I get out I just get my job back. But but I mean if you're if you're saying like like you have to start your life over after two years yeah, that's that's a lot to put on the line. Yes. I feel like I can knock one down. We've got a golf breakup to get
2: to. Uh-oh. Oh, Oh, no. You know how golfers, uh, they get all petulant. Uh, And uh, what happened last night with Chris Paul? Uh, Adam has a question. Is Chris Paul a hero or just kind of
1: annoying? The Cofield and Company crew is back tonight at 9 o'clock. It's the Law and Sporter Podcast with Justin Watkins from Battleborne Injury Lawyers. (laughs) Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver Sevens Hotel and Casino. It's Cofield and Company. Trying to just grab all
2: the bags, as the kids say. That how they say it? I don't know. Whatever.
0: No, stop with the. Where was the question? <laughs> mm-hmm. You gonna kill me over some pizza?
1: Yes. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Yep, there it is.
2: Head of research for Cofield & Company. Brady sent me uh, 1985. I had the wrong year. 1985 for Cecil Cooper. And I was just so pissed as a 15-year-old. What a freaking stat nerd. And uh, I'll have to look back at when he got stuck. I'm sure Brady can look at the game log. Because I was just mentioning how I, I every day I read Joey Gallo's stats. And I'm like, yeah, hey, let's go. Tooth... <laughs> 239, 20, and 46 after today's game. But, yeah, Cecil Cooper, 85, 16 homers, 99 ribs. Back in my day, you didn't have to launch everything. You could be a spray hitter, a gap hitter, and drive it 100 runs. I don't know what I'm yeah. doing.
0: I, don't. I mean, I don't either. <laughs> very <laughs> Getting very uh, reminiscy.
2: Yes. It's the roots of all this nonsense doing sports talk. I was obsessing over freaking Cecil Cooper and his – open batting stance big 5 time
1: battle born injury lawyers presents the big 5 at 5 number 5
3: we'll do it live no. we'll do it live it.
2: we're doing live video right now up on facebook and twitter and youtube all right i need to confirm we have our sound bite for the uh, the big lighting story okay you know, we talk about big chicken all the time, harkening back to uh, the evil big tobacco. And we've talked about big chicken is just playing us. Because every three months, it seems like there's another fast food restaurant that has their chicken sandwich. And I'm telling you, this was a grand plan like two and a half years ago. Everyone's going to get their turn. We're going to get social media all worked up every three months. And here's, you know, here's the latest chicken sandwich. Oh, I got to try this new one against the old one. Like, it, it's clearly a work. This is Vince McMahon esque.
0: Isn't Carl's Jr. the re- most recent? I think. It's like they've got an entrant.
2: Well, I think uh, chicken, with the real creepy commercials with Paul Giamatti reading it, okay. where the king's like running because now the chicken is going to take over the whopper.
0: It's ridiculous.
2: You don't watch enough <laughs> no commercials, man. I, I watch none. I, and then I watched too man I haven't seen the, the first time I, I heard someone try to pronounce it, it was Marv Albert on the basketball game, and I'm like, that's not right. He, I forget. <laughs> he just. King Yeah. No, he didn't even do the show. Ch- it was like chicken. Like
0: okay. no, that's the point. It's not supposed to be chicken. tonight's game brought to you by kicking i was like three months behind on the yes on the scoop there it is i just don't watch commercials (laughs) people are like they play that too much i'm like i haven't seen it yet yeah stop yeah i've I've seen it now oh it's beautiful but i mean it was like months into it
3: sprinkles yeah
2: so i think we found the, the the next great conspiracy with some big like there's an overarching commander of a business have you thought about the whole LED thing going on with the lights and how long they last? This was Soren Petro on our podcast on Wednesday night, and he started to lose it. And, like, I'm crazy. When he started talking about how he's going to fight back against big lighting, it got a little unsettling.
0: I think the biggest scam going over the last seven years is this bullshit. Uh, what are these lights we're supposed to buy now? What are they? They last forever.
1: LED. So, oh, minimum five years, five-year guarantee. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I get them, I buy them, and then I tape the receipt to the box, and I keep them in an area around where I put them in. That's and so in two awesome. and a half years, when these this bullshit facade, this scam yep, yep. has been perpetuated on us to triple our, our light bulb costs, I take it out, and I go back, and I go, yeah,
0: here it is. I'm sorry, I need a replacement. And they go, no, you have to contact the manufacturer.
2: He goes to the store and he's like 5 years, 8 years, 10 years the lights out already. I want a replacement. I'm like, dude, you, that's not going to work. How how He's so mad. How much are light bulbs? I feel like they're like $2. Are you serious? Who buys the light bulbs at the, at your hostel that you own? I do. No, the what's happened is they've weaned us off of the old old-style lights and now they're like, "Oh, it's lower wattage." it's brighter but they last forever so from an economical standpoint it's great so like light bulbs can be expensive now i don't feel like it. oh you're like oh it's gonna be there for five years and then no one really tracks it but apparently that lunatic is going through his house and he's like these are five-year lights and they're out in you know 15 months and, he, and he's taping the receipt and the box and all over the house oh here
0: this one yeah august of what it's out in you know two years and one month seven year light I mean I'm with it. I I I'm with this on batteries. When I started buying the more expensive batteries and I don't feel like they last any longer, so I'm back to the cheapest ones. I'm on the yep. cheapest lights too. Okay. I'll so buy like you, the so, 4 pack for like $7. So you never got sucked in by big lighting. No. No cuz I don't I'm not buying into it. I did. I think it's his fault. What? Don't believe innovation? It, don't buy into the to the scam. It's
2: marketing. Well, I, I never thought of it. I don't know and he didn't think of it. So what
0: advances, What advances? you so You just turned down all advances in technology? No, no, no. If I like something, I'm in. I'm just not going to fall for the, hey, these lights are better. They'll last a lot longer. Like, eh, I don't buy it. Give me the cheap ones. I'd rather just replace I them. don't
2: get how you're on this, and, and we're getting worked. Is everyone on this? I, uh, by the way, once again, uh, P1 Brady is messaging us on the video because he was very worked up last night talking about the big lighting scam, and uh, he said he's going to Home Depot next week. Uh, per the warranty instructions. <laughs> okay. Because here's the thing: you, if you actually read the packaging on the lights, it says it only lasts this long. Like it's only a five-year light bulb if you use the bulb on on an average of two hours or less per day. Stop. Which is, I mean, that's that's like the but fine print on a lease. But I also right? I where you're like <laughs> like like hey, one sixty-nine a month for thirty-six months, and then it's like really you know really fast. Fifty nine hundred dollars down. Of this discount. Uh, look, this of discount. This discount. The MSRP, and then you actually read it, and you are like, that car doesn't exist on the lot.
0: In the car, you get a warranty on the car, but you have to make sure you get every oil change and everything done at the dealer, which you is ha- not going to cost you more. You have to read haul. the fine print sure. on the light bulbs. But I, I what I am saying is, like, I am buying the cheapest light bulb, no matter what. Like, I could not care if it's like, hey, it's brighter. Like, so. Who cares? Just I need, no, turn the no, light on. No, the brighter thing
2: is big. Not f- I. Bu- I tried to upgrade in my my kitchen has those recess lights, and I couldn't see in the kitchen. I'm like, I'm getting brighter lights, and it actually it saved me. <laughs> I can't. I I can't. Like my house is a dungeon in many places. So I have to get a lot more lighting. So where I have lighting, I try to get like the megawatt bulbs. Okay. I mean, I I, I can't see. I'm 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 going to, I'm going to cook, and I'm like, oh, let me you know, let me put a little uh, pepper here, and all of a sudden, I'm dumping cumin all over my meal.
0: That's like I that don't know' the like difference. a personal problem
2: better lighting and Coke bottle glasses are saving me
0: it's a good combination so if you have the, the thick glasses, why do you need the lighting
2: it's a combination okay so i'm I haven't reached the the brink of uh, as I was just screaming last hour about hot dog eating competitions i haven't reached that level like Petro did who's now going into stores and yelling at people that they're uh, light labels are deceptive. But I wish him luck on that.
0: I mean, it sounds like something he would do. Number four.
2: Do we have another breakup in the world of golf? And is it one that Brooks Kepka is into?
0: Well, Brooks is in, into anything that goes wrong with DeChambeau. And it sounds like Bryson DeChambeau and his caddy are taking a break. I didn't know that, that you go through the same cycles of relationships as you do with a caddy, but apparently that's the case, and it's not the first time. His caddy, Tim Tucker and Bryson DeChambeau, broke up in 2017. They got back together in 2018. Now they're taking a break, and Brooks Kepka who we know will do anything to get under the skin of Bryson DeChambeau, just simply tweeted out, couldn't do it without my guy, Rick. Best friend and greatest caddy to do it. 100. Ricky Elliott Appreciation Day. Okay. He just picked today, mm. the day after the breakup of DeChambeau and his caddy, to acknowledge his own caddy. Sweet. Clearly, it's an attack. But good for Brooks Kepka finding any way he possibly can to uh, annoy and nudge Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, we'll see if Bryson DeChambeau's breakup, you know, ends but according to the agent they've gone their separate ways for now that doesn't mean forever but it means they are not working together now they met last night and decided to move on it's just an accumulation of things and it's never easy when a player and caddy split up they just decided the best situation for now is essentially to not be together anymore they're married yes i believe it (laughs) this is crazy this sounds like a radio
2: show Lots of radio shows. You're together every day. Your guys Opie and Anthony, right? Sure. Uh, Greeny and Golik. If you if you were a great golfer and I was your caddy, how long will we last? Um, I would hammer you. Would be trying you. to motivate you, and I would just break you mentally. You'd be like, I can't do this anymore. I'm like last on every money list. I think it'd be more interesting the other way. I think it would be too. But I, but you <laughs> yeah. take it. That's the thing. If I destroyed your golf life, you eventually you'd have to be. I, I have to get rid of you. I don't think I would. Okay,
0: this is how I roll. I'm very loyal.
2: I want to win. I'm very competitive. Do you know? Last night I got a message. I uh, I actually mentioned that I might do what Pat Beverly did to Chris Paul.
0: Just knock somebody down. Yeah,
2: just knock some like just be a complete sore loser and knock someone over.
0: I have no problem with it.
2: Uh, one of your old friends, uh, Ryan Green. Apparently, I've scarred him for life. Okay. He messaged me. He goes, not sure why. He goes, but this reminded me of your famous bottle, uh, water bottle smash against the wall before leaving the gym back in 2010. Was, was at Cambridge.
0: <laughs> Why does he still remember that? Everybody does. Why? It's not that big a deal. Well, I think it ended the game. Oh. People are like, what What just happened? Did I, I walk down and left? Yeah. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. I think I smashed the, the
2: water bottle, and everyone was like, oh, calm down, man, you're ruining it. And I'm like, all right, uh, let's play.
0: I really? I just left. I think you left, and then we only had like four on three. I was mm-hmm. like, hey, "What do we do now?"
2: Damn, I might have been responsible for a crazy Brad coming into our life. Well, maybe maybe he stepped in. That was a different scenario. What I did
0: was not that bad. It was not. It was an. It's an, an object. What's a big deal if you throw a water bottle was and was halfway loud. across the court? It was loud, it and was. and I think I also think the the rec center was upset with us because oh. they were like letting us play, and then they're like, "You can't be throwing stuff." These things happen.
2: I was young and immature. I was like 37. It's Philly in New Jersey. I'll smash a lemonade
1: right in your face.
2: Number three. You want to compete or not? So can anyone out there actually say that Beverly was justified? Because you have the question today, Chris Paul, hero or annoying?
0: I mean, my response would be, if you want to fall down from nothing, I'm going to put you down
2: wow look at you suddenly aggressive Adam Hill you think he's a you think he's an over-the-top flopper
0: oh he is and you can argue about last night if you want I I will say it's a clear flop but it's not even the first time with DeMarcus Cousins because people started recirculating the old the old one from when Paul was on the Clippers and Cousins was on the Kings and there wasn't even contact and then Chris Paul dove to the ground and started screaming like it's not even the first time with the same guy so like to me, all right, you you took a fall, you're going to actually get knocked down. Yeah, but here's the thing: you are Chris Paul. You're not the
2: talent of Chris Paul, but you would do everything Chris Paul does. Not the flops. You would do the tuck in the shirt thing. Remember that? Oh, of course. Remember how crazy that was? That's fine These with guys that. are getting warned about not having their shirts tucked in. Fine with them. And he's like pointing at people like shirts untucked, totally fine. So what you're saying is you get if someone was playing basketball with you and you were as annoying as Chris Paul and you got pushed to the floor, you'd be like,
0: I deserve it. No, I think the flops are the key. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, again, you fell. You jumped to the ground and like you were hurt. So we're I'm gonna get my money's worth for that. It, this is gonna happen. We're going to knock you down and actually try to hurt you. And if you if you want to dispute that, don't go to the ground hurt. Because I'm okay. You can be hurt and lay on the ground and scream and and look at the ref and say, hey, call a technical. But I'm actually going to make that happen now. And that's totally fine. How do you view the Suns moving forward? Chris
2: Paul could win his first title. That's a crowning achievement. The guy hasn't gotten it done to this point. That's awesome. Or are there going to be people out there who are like, look at the field, asterisk. Everyone got hurt. You made it through.
0: I mean, as as they should. That, don't, that's don't, but don't they actually correct?
2: But don't they deserve credit for not getting injured, or is it just all so okay. random?
0: I think it's random.
2: They survived the Paul part. being out for at least a couple of games because of the COVID thing.
0: Sure, he's back. The playoffs, he's, But he's back. Look, he's playing now. They're getting by. They got by every single round with against a team missing either their best or second best player, and it's going to continue in the finals. I hate this. And that's how it's going. That's how it, it should be remembered that way. It's factual like nobody's saying they don't get the title they don't they get their rings they get their banner and when you look at the list of champions all time it's going to say phoenix suns but you absolutely should keep in mind that every single round they played a team that was short-handed every round not one round are they going to win against a team that's at full strength which is it's crazy to think about it and again they nobody's taking away the fact that they win the title but you can't dispute that that's what happened. That's just a fact. So I was asking you, hero or annoying, were
2: you also thinking annoying for the way he celebrated last night, not only with Suns fans, but also with some Clipper fans?
0: I don't really care about that. You can celebrate. What about the fact that he hugged Billy Crystal? It's weird. He called him his guy. It was, like, it was very complimentary of Billy Crystal, uh, which is fine. Again, he played there. That, that's where he was, and he has some fond memories, and he... You know, wanted to to share that with some people, and Billy Crystal has been a part of his life as a you know somebody's known. All that is fine. I, I, and this this is again, sixteen years in the league, as one of the best players in the league. You finally make a finals. You should have the right to celebrate it any way you want to. Do whatever you want to celebrate it. Don't don't try to d- dispute the fact that it's <laughs> you know there should be you, not still, an asterisk, ha- you still have to tell the story. So essentially,
2: every year has an asterisk, some some kind of asterisk. Maybe not every year, but a lot of years do. What
0: if you find a year where a, every single round the other team was missing their best or second best player every round? If you find that in the history, I thought there was I'll, at least I'll one Warriors
2: it. year where it culminated with like everyone getting hurt, all the major players getting hurt for lo- love, love and Kyrie. But I swear the rounds right. before
0: every caught, round they, they caught some breaks. Maybe, but I mean, every round, I don't think I don't think that was the case. Research people, send it in. Right? And, and again, if you if they did, fine. Just
2: but I but I think in that case, most people are like they were awesome. It didn't matter. Probably, so they've
0: been given a break on that. Maybe, but again, that was also the finals. And 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 by the way, you just pointed it out, didn't you? They won a title against a Cleveland team that had two guys missing. Like we remember those things as we should. It's part of the story.
1: Number two. You
2: and your stupid facts. Just annoying. That's why listeners don't like you. True. Some of them. True. That's why others love you, though. Because <laughs> your, your dog determination to stick with it. In spite of the fact that everyone, most people are like, yay, CP3. And you're like, eh, he wins the title. Eh. Asterisk. But how many people don't love this one? And we have referenced this a billion times on the show. Because we are not... Dabo Sweeney fans, although Adam is because he gave him an interview last year about the Clemson Raiders. Come on. Did we not see this coming with Dabo Sweeney? Uh, Today will forever be known as
0: Dabo Sweeney Retirement Day when he didn't retire. He didn't? No. I just assumed he did. I didn't check the news or anything, but I know that he said today is the day he was going to retire.
2: Name image likeness is here. Players can make money off of who they are and the sport they're playing. 2014, Clemson coach Dabo Sweeney. We try to teach our guys to use football to create opportunities, take advantage of the platform and the brand and the marketing you have available to you. But as far as paying players, professionalizing college athletics, that's where you lose me. I'll go do something else because there's enough entitlement in this world as it is. So basically the first sentence is just wiped out by him just thinking – if they create opportunities or take advantage of their opportunities, somehow they're entitled. Yeah. But he said he would go do something else. What's he doing? He's still collecting on his ten-year, ninety-two million-dollar contract as as of uh, five nineteen Pacific here on July first.
0: But he's he's quitting. No, I mean, he's today not. Today's his last day. No, he's not. I mean, yesterday was his last day. Today is his first day of doing something different. That's what he that's what he said. And now, of course. Uh, you hear you know, Certain players basically coming out and saying No, 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 Dabo's all in on this He's at the forefront He's yep. really going to help us make some money Because of course he is He was always going to do whatever it took To win games and to exploit anything you possibly could And continue to exploit Kids He'll figure it out I,
2: you know, I wish parents were more aware of this The flip-flopping, the hypocrisy And actually put it to him When they're recruiting his kid because it probably uh, every guy that well most guys that Clemson is looking at are you know top seven schools in the country in the running for so what do you have to lose What's Dabo Sweeney gonna freaking flip out on you Hey coach, uh, you kind of sounded anti-player back in two thousand fourteen when you said you'd quit if uh, someone like my son makes money. Now what? By the, and By the way, yeah, and make him talk his way out of it, or he can walk out of the house. I don't care. Leave. I'll go. To, I'll send my kid to Alabama instead.
0: By the way, uh, you know, if, if, if your response to this, I could hear, hear people out there saying, hey, things have changed. It's 2014. It's a different world. Things have changed. Mm-hmm. Let's look at 2019. Who knows? They may just do away with college football in three years. There may be no college football. They may want to professionalize college athletics. Well, then maybe I'll just go to the pros. If I'm going to coach pro football, I might as well just do that. If this wasn't a one-off. It wasn't a one-off. No.
2: this That's two years and, ago. And in 19, you, you you could see it coming. Hey, your buddies with him. You're the one who did the interview with him, so he's
0: your pal. Uh, I think Dabo does a fine job, and uh, as long as he's returning phone calls, I think he's a <laughs> great coach. Um, he's he's absurd. Uh, he put his
2: foot in his mouth. Now people have the receipts. In the end, he's still going to get his 10 years and $92 million. Uh, but we've pointed it out you can see the difference between and we, you can say hey the guy's a charlatan and a you know or a chameleon i'm talking about nick saban but saban has changed with the times and saban may have been crotchety a couple of years ago but you saw the way he handled the pandemic you saw the way he handled black lives matter i don't may, maybe there's a time in the past where saban's like we're not ever gonna pay the guys but i'm sure saban's like we've been doing something like this forever right. to collect these players what's the difference
0: now we can get more of them because we can do it above board and get them even more and bring in guys that might think about going elsewhere for certain reasons and say hey come here and make a bunch of money
2: i would love to see a sampling of conversations that dabo has with his players versus saban and his players and i, I would virtually guarantee that in terms of believability. You'd walk away from the Saban conversation being like, "Hey, you know what? He's listening. He's actually listening to the kid, and he, you know, he's interested in the kid's welfare. You know, in addition to his own bottom line." I almost every time I see Dabo Sweeney talk about players, I'm like, "I, I don't think you're being genuine."
0: I mean, I, I do hear some players leave Clemson and, and love that They swear by him, yeah, yeah. But I don't get but it. But Maybe they don't know better. I don't get it.
2: And 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 what is that again? The the, the things he says are just blips. I'm going to
0: walk away. I, I don't want to coach pros. People also leave cults and they're still committed. And I watched that the uh, the the one about uh, Heaven's Gate and the one guy that left was like, ah, I wish I would have got, wish I would have killed myself with those guys. Like, dude, that's that's former Clemson players. Silver Sevens is a spot to be on
2: Thursdays, two seventy-seven during Happy Hour, three to six on the uh, on a lot of the drinks, the beer, the well drinks, the shots, the margaritas. Great place, two bars to watch sports. Corona Cantina where we are and across the way by the William Hill Racing Sportsbook, the Silver and Gold Bar. We're back tonight with a legal podcast at 9 o'clock at Steve Cofield. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Angel. See you, Ari.